Do you experience every emotion, but don't know how to express it? Us either. Learn with us as we go. We love pink, learning too much about random things, and trying to make the world a better place. If we were pageant contestants, our answer really would be world peace. But first, we have to learn how to master our own inner peace. Join our journey as two best friends have simple girl talk. This is Spotlight with Alexis Kimsey and Katherine Merck. Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's such a singy song for the heaviness of today's episode. That was definitely there. Alexis singing, not Catherine. Don't come for her. <laughs> Yeah, because it would definitely be worse if I was doing it. So you all are welcome. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Lately, I've been singing everything. I think it's because Steele loves my voice so much. Bless his heart. I think he's tone deaf. Um, but, oh my gosh, time out. We got to tell a story right at the start about my child. Yes, we do need to tell the story because Guys. my heart swells every day with how much i love steel kimsey but i am so proud this is so funny i don't know if i'd say proud this is terrifying so last night you guys okay it we've is been out of town. We've, we've been flying a lot so steel sleeps in bed with us right he slept in bed with me the whole first year don't come for me safe sleep moms um anyways so last night he was laying in bed with us we were watching harry potter prisoner of azkaban in case you're wondering and Steele was just being really wild. He didn't want to go down to bed. And it was like 1130. So finally I was just like, okay, he's got to go to his own bed. So Sage says, good night. Say, say good night to mommy. Tell her you love her. And I'm like, good night, baby. My child's already losing his crap, you guys. <laughs> Anytime he leaves me, he loses his crap. So anyways, we uh, Sage takes him, puts him in bed. And I look over at my monitor. I'm like, my monitor's not working. What the heck? And so I plug it, replug it in, try to restart it. And then all of a sudden it like gets really loud and Sage is like, why did you turn that up? I can't listen to him crying. It makes me sad. You guys, my child climbed out of his crib, opened his door, came to our room and was banging outside the door. Legit banging. I opened the door and he was just like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, can't breathe. Was hyperventilating. Wouldn't even go near Sage. Was like punching Sage every time Sage tried to touch him. I guess he saw him as the victim. I don't know what happened because my monitor was down. I'm pretty sure he just fell out of his crib on purpose, trying to throw himself over the edge because he hates it. So today we purchased a big kid bed. This is why I'm proud is because Steele's a big boy with a big boy bed. I would like to clarify that because in the context of the story, that sounds ridiculous because it is scary. But Steele is the most independent little boy. He is so funny. So I am very excited for his big boy bed. Oh, I'm about to have to get rid of all of his toys, too, because he no longer likes toys. We call him Engineer Steel. Yesterday, he spent 20 minutes turning on a light off and on, off and on. <laughs> it's like He's been able to like take apart the Roomba and put it back together for like six months <laughs> at this point. So <laughs> I know. I'm terrified. I'm like, my child's smarter than me. I'm not going to survive. It's going to be great. We're going to read books on engineering. It's going to be great. Oh, gosh. Um. So... Hey. Engineering the, or bull riding, I'll take it. Absolutely. The hilarious update in my dog's life. <laughs> I don't think I told Mac, you. Mac, I'm so proud of him. <laughs> I told you this, Alexis, but the new trick that I'm teaching him. So for those of you who don't know, which is pretty much all of you besides Alexis, 
the way that my house is set up, it's a 1950s house. And so there are rooms that open to the outside. So I converted one of the rooms to my office. So I have to walk, I don't know, what do you think? Like 15 feet from my front door to my office, Lexus. And yeah, about that. I think that's about right. So, but Mac with his little hunter instinct, he likes to run after the deer and the birds in the yard. So we have been working on stay with mom in the yard, which is very hard for him. I have to have a lot of really high value treats, which by the way, I made pumpkin and peanut butter dog treats and my dog is obsessed with them. So it's kind of hilarious. But (laughs) was that one of your like manic days? You're just like, I'm going to make dog treats. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hilarious. And my dog loves them. So I made more. But anyways, so I have been teaching my dog the command, go to work. And when the door opens, he has to run to my office door and he sits and waits for me to open the door to my office. And he comes in my office and goes to his bed and waits for his treat. And it's the cutest thing ever. (laughs) Well, you're just more well-trained than mine. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so basically our children, Mac and Steel, are just excellent. They're perfect. I don't know how else to describe them. And I'm sorry if I sound ridiculous. I have not slept in days. Also, we bring out the most ridiculous in each other, but apparently people (laughs) love our random stories, which I think is wonderful because I don't see a future in which we stop telling random stories. (laughs) That is very true. That is very true. And in case you want updates, Catherine's in court all the time with not very smart criminals. It's true. Just public service announcement. I hope none of you listening ever have to deal with going to court because it generally means something is not good or not fun in your life. But if you do, court dates are important and you definitely should show up to them. That is my public service announcement for the day. Let's hope you guys, my biggest fear, and I mean biggest fear, is going to jail. I wouldn't make it. Actually, in fact, last night, Sage and I had a conversation. I feel like I would be Helga's B-I-T-C-H. Like, let's be real. I'm not a strong person. I'm pretty small. I told my husband last night, I was like, listen, if I ever go to jail, like, I'm just going to disappear. No one ever I would just like to point out, I don't know in what context you would ever be going to jail, because both of That's us true. are such rule followers. <laughs> I know, but I feel like someone would set me up. Maybe steal at this rate for putting him <laughs> in his crib. It's a long master plan. Every day I'm like, God, I hope I'm being a good mom. I you put me in jail, this. mom. I'll put you in jail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Speaking of jail, that was a really weird segue. Okay. Start it again. All right, so there has been so much happening in the news lately. It's really been crazy. For all of you who are invested in what's going on in the University of Idaho murders, Brian Koberger, we will be doing a full podcast on that when there's more of an update. There have been a lot of postponements in the date. So what we are going to do today, I am excited about because there has finally been a break in the murder of Tupac. So... I kind of assume that everybody knows who Tupac is, but if you don't know who Tupac is, he is considered one of the greatest rappers of all time. It's really interesting to me that multiple colleges have taught entire courses on Tupac. 
Harvard taught one that I think was called The Poetry of Tupac, A Man Ahead of His Time. And the reason why it's so interesting, he was speaking about social change in the early 90s. He was talking about judicial reform, about how important it was to respect women and their role in society, how we should be more peaceful and addressing issues in poverty, in drugs. And, you know, one of the lines in this song is, I made a G today. Yeah, but you made it in a sleazy way. And I just... <laughs> I I really I I love that he kind of used his platform to talk about real issues and try to advocate for change. And one of the songs I would recommend you all listen to to kind of know who Tupac was is a song called Changes, which actually super crazy to me. I'm pretty sure that it was released posthumously, which I learned researching this. And it's weird because he's talking about at one point like we need to stop fighting between ourselves and lift each other up and that was how he died was a feud so I'm going to go back and walk through a little bit of that and talk about what has happened in the case because I think it is incredibly interesting in 1996 at 25 years old in Las Vegas as part of an east coast west coast feud between rappers specifically between Death Row Records, which was founded by Marion Suge Knight and has included over the years Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. They're the West Coast, California. And Bad Boy Records, the East Coast from New York. Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, same person. P. Diddy, Sean Combs, Puffy, Puff Daddy. He's had a lot of names over the years. And Mace. The specific... Pacific feud was very much between Tupac and the notorious B.I.G. and Diddy. So the background of that feud was that in 1994, Tupac was robbed and shot in the lobby of a Manhattan hotel. He was shot multiple times and $40,000 were stolen from him. Not only that, but this was 1994. In today's money, I did not do the math, but that would be a lot more money. And Tupac openly accused um, Notorious B.I.G., whose real name is Christopher Wallace, I think. I, I have researched this a lot, but I, I didn't make notes on all of it. So um, he accused Biggie and Diddy of having prior knowledge and orchestrating the shooting, which they denied. But that's the foundation of this big battle. And... So it escalated. They did diss tracks back and forth to each other. Some of their music referenced the feud. It really defined the hip-hop scene of the 90s, long past Tupac's death. It influenced the music. It divided the fans. And a lot of it was related to gang activity. I will throw that out there because that will come back later. There was gang activity involved. And on September 7th, 1996... Tupac was riding in a car with Suge Knight after watching a Mike Tyson fight at the MGM. Apparently, after the fight, he had been in a fight with and beaten up Orlando Baby Lane Anderson, who was the nephew of Dwayne Davis, who was just arrested and indicted this week. So Tupac beats up Baby Lane. And then they are driving. They have a convoy of about 10 cars. So it's Suge Knight and Tupac in one car. And on the Las Vegas Strip, at a red light, a white Cadillac with four men 
pulled up next to them and opened fire on the passenger side of the car where Tupac was seated. He was shot four times, at least twice in the chest, and was rushed to the hospital in intensive care, had a lung removed, and passed away six days after the shooting. As early as September 29th, that same year, police alleged that Davis was in the passenger seat of the white Cadillac and had handed the gun back to a passenger in the back seat who actually did the shooting. That November, the only eyewitness from the back car behind their car was shot and killed. He was found dead. In March of 1997, so about six months after Tupac was killed, the notorious B.I.G. was shot and killed. The two of them, like I said, had been trading the diss tracks, but what's interesting about it is B.I.G. had just come out with a song called Who Shot Ya? And he claimed it wasn't about Tupac. There's obviously, the, these two murders are inextricably tied. There is no way to separate them. They were in a feud. So this is what's super interesting to me. And we'll talk through what happened this week. But to go back into that, a huge part of why this the interest came back into this case recently was in 2018, there was a Netflix documentary, Unsolved, The Biggie Smalls and Tupac Murders. And apparently interest in this case really, really increased to a level it hadn't in years. There were multiple retired cops who continued to work on this case and took their focus back into this case because of that documentary and the true crime interest in it. So I have so much more to say about that, but I'm going to finish walking through what happened this week and then we can really deep dive into it. So all of all of what came to a head this past week started in July of 2023. Well, it, it started before that, but that's what we're going to start to focus on is in a 2018 BET interview, Dwayne Davis, who was the one indicted recently, admitted to being in the front seat of that white Cadillac. And he implicated his nephew, Baby Lane Anderson, who Tupac had beaten up earlier in the night, saying that he was one of the two people in the back seat. The important part about that is that his nephew ha- is is dead. He was killed in unrelated years later, and so I think he felt like, "Oh, I'm I'm very safe admitting this." Well, he said the shots were fired from the back seat, but he did not name the shooter, saying he had to abide by the code of the streets. So before this, Dwayne Davis had been in jail facing life imprisonment for drug charges, and he was granted immunity for information regarding Tupac's murder. He allegedly made a full confession to the cops in that situation about and detailed Tupac's murder, but he had immunity for everything said in that conversation, but not everything said after. And this is what is really interesting to me is that after he got out of jail, he continued to talk about it and essentially to monetize his part in the story. And that's what's led to his indictment, which is incredibly interesting to me because, yeah, he he gained momentum with this documentary, but he had been out there. He also said that Davis did a tell-all 
in 2019 called Compton Street Legend. And in that book, Davis said he broke his silence about the rapper's killing in 2010 during that closed door meeting with federal and local authorities. So that's when he was facing life in prison on drug charges. So, but four years after the memoir's release, this past July is when Las Vegas police raided his wife's house in Henderson, Nevada. They were looking for items concerning Tupac's murder. And they revealed during the September 29th press conference that police found evidence that corroborated information obtained through the investigation. Apparently, they collected multiple computers, a cell phone, a hard drive, magazines, 40 caliber bullets, tubs of photographs, and a copy of his memoir. So the 29th is when the news broke that Dwayne Davis was arrested for the murder. And he was on a walk near his home when he was arrested. And I find this interesting, Alexis, because we talked in the Koberger case about how most people charged with murder are arrested in broad daylight, getting the mail, taking a walk, anything like that. And the indictment was revealed hours later. But what's really interesting about this is the grand jury had been convened since July. So what a grand jury indictment is, because we talk about these things a lot in the news, but I don't feel like we ever truly talk about what they are. Indictments are not actually adversarial proceedings. They're basically the grand jury just hears from the prosecutor and witnesses that the prosecutor has chosen. They need a simple majority. They don't need to be unanimous. And all they're saying is they believe there's enough evidence to charge the suspect with the crime. So the grand jury had been listening to testimony since July. So they were sitting ready ready for this arrest. But they also voted to add a sentencing enhancement to the murder charge for gang activity that could add up to 20 additional years if he's convicted, which I think is super interesting. They also, in in Nevada, you don't actually have to be the murderer. So he's not the alleged gunman, but since this is in Nevada, you can be charged with a crime when you help commit it. So he is being charged, but he's not the alleged gunman. The other thing that's interesting is Suge Knight was the only other person in the car with Tupac. He and Davis, oh my gosh, so they're all so sketchy, but he and Davis are the only two surviving members who were involved in the shooting. And he does not, first of all, he said he absolutely will not testify against Davis, but also He doesn't think Davis is the right guy. And he has said that he absolutely does not think that Davis's nephew, Baby Lane, was the killer. So that is something so fascinating. And these arrests, they really started reviewing Davis again when they were looking for more information about Biggie Smalls' murder. So Notorious B.I.G. looking back at his murder and they kind of stumbled into this rabbit trail leading Davis, leaving, leading them to Davis and this arrest. So it is just it is so fascinating to me because this is such an old case and they 
finally are making an arrest. I mean, 27 years That's what I was after just Tupac thinking. was killed. That is crazy. Doesn't that like, just, I? it amazes me. That amazes me too. And the thing that is so crazy about it is for years, you know, everybody said, well, we need fingerprints. We need DNA. We need something at the crime scene. And now technology is what's solving all these like unsolved crimes throughout the years. And to me, that's just unbelievable. And it's also playing such a huge role in solving crimes, modern day crimes as well, like the Kohlberger case. But what amazes me about all this is that no one was ever caught. That's still like in broad day or like not daylight, but in broad, like you're in the middle of the Las Vegas strip and no one notices it. That is a busy place. It's not like he was just in the back alley somewhere. Like he was in a public place when he was shot and killed. What's really weird to me is September 29th, 1996, right after the shooting, they said in a press conference that Davis was implicated in this. And that he was the passenger in the seat of the Cadillac and that he had handed the gun back to the passenger. September 29, 2023 is when they actually did a press conference that they had arrested and indicted Davis for being the passenger who handed the gun to the back seat. So that that to me was one of the weirdest things that I learned. That's crazy. We need to watch the documentary, too, and see if we learn anything. We absolutely are going to watch the documentary. We will update all of you after we watch the documentary because I have just been in such a deep dive into this. And it's not so much to me the actual true crime aspect of it, I guess, per se. I am so fascinated in the way that the cops have gone about this. And taken what is seemingly a cold case and finally been able to move forward with an indictment. That's what's so fascinating. How we're, and this is one of many cases, John Bonet is one as well. They're going back and re looking at evidence with modern technology. It, it really is amazing what the justice system and what the police are doing with old evidence yeah. to solve cold cases. What to me, John Vinay's case, this is totally off topic, but hers got, hers was messed up from the start because they did such a poor job going in and looking at the crime scene. They messed up the crime scene from the second they walked in. Um, I think that the suspect is closer than they think. That's all I'm going to say. I think that too. And I definitely I'm think to be careful. Should, yes, I definitely think. <laughs> When more news happens in that case, we should go down that rabbit hole because that's something that I, John Monet was about the same age as me. And I remember seeing her picture on magazines as a little girl in the grocery store. And of course, as a little girl, I just thought, oh, look at that really pretty little girl. She looks, you know, like a princess and gets to wear pretty dresses. And I had no idea about why she was actually on the cover of magazines. And it is just so sad but the other thing I I kind of want to go back to with Davis and the Tupac murders is he got himself caught he talked Mm -hmm. himself into jail and it really is you know the expression greed ruins everything I think that is kind of what comes back to this is he got himself into jail because 
he was trying to monetize off of his affiliation with the story. Yep. Isn't that crazy that one thing that just baffles me, like this is same topic, but kind of different, how all these criminals go write books or do magazine interviews or sit down with 60 Minutes. It's so funny to me because it's like, you know, you're guilty, but yet you're that arrogant that you think you can get away with it. That's what he's he's made an entire career off of something that he did that was wrong. <laughs> they didn't have enough proof for it. That's what's crazy. Yes, I could not agree more. And what's really sad about it is in a lot of instances of violence, the media gives so much attention to the perpetrator that yeah. I think some of these people really are going after that fame. And it's a really tragic tragic issue i think with how how some of these how some of these situations are handled by the media and i feel like you would have a lot more interesting insight on that as a journalist as someone who has worked in so many different areas of the media but that's something where and i'm i'm not saying necessarily in this case that's when the issue but there's definitely situations where there is violence perpetrated and the media focuses on the perpetrator and immortalizes them. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes have mental health issues that they're seeking that. Right. And so I think that's, that's just, I don't know. And I don't, I don't have answers for how the media can necessarily handle it better. My thing is almost every school shooting is done because they want to be infamous. They always see the attention exactly. that the Columbine guys got, that the Virginia Tech killer see, received. They see all this attention, and usually it's people that are dealing with mental health issues that are lost, and they think that, hey, this might be my way out, but it's also my way to get some notoriety before I die. Because a lot of times they go into it with the intention of not coming out. Let's be real. And so for yeah. me, I have always, we did a lot of research with Dan Rather about school shootings, and that was the one thing that always stood out to me is that, for one, they always give warning signs. I mean, this had some warning signs in it in itself. A lot of crimes do. And it might be difficult warning signs that we don't really want to pay attention to. But there's always something that you know is going to blow up at some point and look what happened. So, I mean, for me, it's just hearing the story, it's just, it's honestly just a lack of communication that turned into something bigger than it should have. Is what it sounds like. And maybe I'm wrong, but it's I just... I think, yes. I, I think that's the spark notes. Absolutely. And so, I don't know. It's just sad. I think that communication could solve a lot of these issues. Of course, there are communication things like with the Brian Kohlberger that allegedly, like, there was no way to communicate with that guy because no one saw it coming, you know? And so, it's not always the case, but in this case, like, I mean... It's one guy blaming another guy for something that he might have been involved in, might not have been involved in. But now, for the rest of time, we're going to go down in history as Tupac and Biggie Smalls, the feud. Like, Right. And it's just interesting. Like, it's so crazy to me. I think, yes. I think it's incredibly interesting. I mean, like I said, there there was a strong gang element involved. This was before. Yeah. Well, that was definitely a significant issue, but... The other thing that I find really interesting about this story is the police department has come out and said, you know, for those of you that have said over the years that this murder isn't important to our police department, we have been working on this for nearly three decades. It's crazy. And 
The reason why that struck me is because with the Brian Koberger case, we were all so impatient and so anxiously waiting. And I am so proud of how the police department was so methodical and really kept themselves quiet, but really kept their eyes on the prize. We're working incredibly demanding hours. So many people were brought in from so many places. And, you know, this police department didn't lose track of this case and continued to prioritize this case for 30 years. Well, 27, but almost 30 years. It just... That's incredible, and that's really incredible police work, in my opinion. I just, yeah, that's crazy. I don't even, I love it when people don't give up. Like, a lot of times it comes down to the families not giving up and pushing and pushing and pushing, but how refreshing is it to have a whole police department still invested in it? Like, it still haunts them to this day where they want to solve it. Absolutely, and it's interesting because... Davis got in trouble for so many other reasons as well. You know, he even talks about in his book how when he was in, so he was part of the Compton Crips, right? And so he rose up the ranks to become a shot caller. And he was essentially running a multi-million dollar drug empire nationwide. And that's when he was arrested, had all the drug charges. That's when this first got really discussed with authorities And I don't know. I I think I find that even more interesting because because not only of the fact that, you know, I'm I'm sure I am not saying in any way, shape, or form that, like, Tupac was a saint, anything. I I am saying he was advocating for change. He was advocating for, for people trying to make money honestly. He was advocating for women. He was, and he was literally talking about in the song that came out posthumously like hey drugs are going to get people into trouble you shouldn't be trying to make all your money on drugs I understand it's hard to pay rent I understand all that but this is going to get you know I had a friend whose family got killed because of drugs and it just not only that but I deal with so much so if if you all aren't frequent listeners if you don't know I work on two different county conflict public defender contract so I represent indigent persons when they need an attorney and they commit crimes and drugs are such a huge issue today still I mean the opioid crisis we have an incredible fentanyl crisis in our country right now and it is just so sad and it's so sad to me that this was such a huge issue and has led to so much pain and so much hurt and the death of so many people over the years. And it's still such a huge issue today. Mm -hmm. It's, I feel like that's just a system failure all the way around though. And we don't have to dive into that, but I feel like we don't give people opportunities. I mean, we give them opportunities, but we're like, Hey, here you go. Right now you have to pay rent for your apartment. It might be 700 a month, but you're going to work at McDonald's. You can't afford to eat, but you can afford rent. Like there's so many things that are preventing people. And then a lot of times people do get hooked on the drugs if, if there are selling. So it's, I just have such a conflicted thing. So I'm like in a perfect world, obviously that wouldn't be the case. But a lot of times either, I mean, I have, I know people that have been hooked on drugs just to get rid of pain that they have from surgeries. So, I mean, it happens in every way organically, but I do think the system fails them. And I do think that a lot of these places, whether it be West Coast, East Coast, the situations these kids are raised in or brought into, 
a lot of times they don't have a chance. They don't give them a chance. Yeah, I think there's so much complexity that, again, you and I could spend so long talking about that. But another thing that's really interesting in learning about this case is Davis, who was just indicted on murder for the murder in 1996, he served a prison sentence from 1985 to 1989. He said that prison in no way rehabilitated him, but made him what he says was a hardened gangster. And that, that is another thing that obviously that was in the late 80s, early 90s. But still, it, it's such a struggle to see that and to see, and it's frustrating. And I, a whole nother thing that I was so, I've always been so frustrated with is the person who committed. And this is something that's really close to my heart because it happened right here in Coeur d'Alene when I was a kid. And I think another time we can go into this because this is a really horrific case, but the Shasta Groney case and the man who perpetrated those crimes had committed multiple other crimes and kept being let out and committed horrific crimes in which people were murdered. She was scarred for life. It just, it's so frustrating. And I think you focus a lot on this as a journalist. I focus a lot of this as an attorney that works with this. And then I think you and I focus so much on it because we care so much and we care about our society. We care about people. We want to protect people and we want to make this a better world for steel, for all of the children that are growing up to not have Mm -hmm. to deal with the pain. Exactly. And uh, it's such a heavy topic. Like it really is. And anytime you're talking about any type of crime, I don't care if it was gangster or not. It's, it's a heavy subject because someone's life was taken. In this case, multiple people's lives were taken. And so it just feels like so unnecessary. But it happened, and you know, you did a great job telling that story, and I think you did a great job from the legal aspect as well. So when I hear this, I'm just like, communication, communication. Like, I don't, it doesn't always work, but sometimes it's all you need. Yeah, I, I think the interesting. The other interesting thing is there have been there have been a couple there have been a lot of famous people. I will amend the couple to a lot of famous people speak out on the arrest in mm-hmm. Tupac's case. And Ice T, the rapper, is one of them. And he I thought it was funny because the first thing he said was my initial thought was people talk too much. And he was talking about all the the interviews that Davis had done. Mm-hmm. But he also he, he also said, you know, I don't understand why why it took law enforcement so long, and I do understand his point because apparently there are a lot of things that pointed to Davis, but also apparently Davis borrowed a gun from a close associate. So there were so many people that I feel like they tried to come from all these angles to get to Davis, but they just weren't able to do it. And I commend law enforcement because they were doing everything correctly and didn't want to do. That's something that it's so easy. It's not easy. It's, it's hard to do things like this when you are constantly having to consider and make sure you don't 
do one thing wrong, that could mess up an entire investigation. I think that's that's the best way to put it. And it, it just the whole thing is is so is so horrific. But the other thing that Ice T said that was really interesting was that basically Ice T said, you know, he Davis named everybody else that was in the car thinking it was fine because I think most of them were dead. But Ice T's point was he is basically dead. Like Davis basically killed himself because how is he going to not spend the rest of his life in prison? All of his own hand. He's like, you don't even need anybody really to testify because Davis implicated himself so strongly. Yeah. And Ice-T's point, too, was like nobody implicated Davis originally. Nobody originally said he was in the car. Davis said, I was in the car. I handed the gun back. I mean, it just, it it again comes back to just the the celebrity focus, which we talked about on our last podcast, too, how people are so focused on being famous and monetizing everything. And they're more focused on being famous than they are in being good people. And I think, (laughs) again, we come back to these same themes over and over, right? Or I could play devil's advocate and say maybe he wanted to be caught all along. Maybe he was tired of it. He's older. Maybe he's like, you know what? I've lived with this secret for so long that, I don't know. It's just you could play both angles of it. He might have guilt. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if it goes back to what we talked a lot about with Brian Koberger, but hubris. Yeah, He has already gotten himself out of life in prison on drug charges. He's gotten himself out of so many situations, and I think he might have thought, okay, well, everyone else is dead that was involved in this, except Suge Knight, who's in prison. So I'm doing great. I've stayed away from cops this long. They can't get me now. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe he's like, I don't, I want to be caught because I want to prove that I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't know. That might be stretching, but I just thought it was kind of interesting. I do think it's interesting. The psychology of, of some of this is what's, I don't know. I feel like you and I go so deep into the psychology and motivations of people. And it, it's really interesting. And I think it's interesting, too, that Tupac's sister said she really feels that Davis being indicted is a victory, but she's reserving judgment until legal proceedings are complete. And that just spoke to me about how guarded I feel like she is about all of this after not having answers for so many years. Can you even imagine? And, oh. No. I can't imagine. No. Like, I can't. Huh. I always wonder, I'm like, okay, would it be better to not know or better to have answers? Like, it's almost like, like, I can't imagine these people that lose siblings or lose children. Like, oh my gosh, it just, it hits different now that I'm a mom because I'm like, I don't know what I would be in that situation. And if I had to wait 30 years to find something out like that, like you live 30 years with the unknown. That is just, yeah. oh. Well, and, and trusting that. That's my entire lifetime. <laughs> yes. And trusting that there's any safety in the world after something exactly. horrific like that happens. and Like you can't even turn a, around. Oh. 
as a parent trying to raise another child. And I mean, there's just so much complexity to that and the struggle and the grief and yeah, it just, it's incredible. And it, it it's interesting to me what different people have come out and said about it because so many people have felt that it, it Davis should have been charged all along and wasn't. But clearly there was not enough evidence. They weren't able to charge him. There was something stopping them. And now they're able to because of his own statements. But also, you know, the police said in the news, in the conference, all of the different news conferences that they've had, that they've reviewed this case so many times. But it was just a huge breakthrough in 2018. And they also did say, a different police officer said, oh, the case traction after the Netflix documentary well in 2018 new information came to light so you wonder did the new information come to light because of the documentary did that spur people on did that spur someone to speak did that I don't know I'm going to be really curious to see what comes out on what they started learning in 2018 how they were able to really kind of deep dive into this because they've been trying now essentially for five years to get Davis. Yeah. I I mean, I'm proud that they didn't rush it. You can't rush something like that. And if they would have, all would have happened was they would have been back at square one because they would have like, when you go too fast through things, no matter what it is, you make mistakes. Nothing's done perfectly. And in a case like this, they have to be perfect. They do. And in a case that's so emotionally involved, that's so important to so many people. And that's something that's kind of, I don't know, a little bit odd to really think about is that obviously I was, geez, September 96, I was six years old when this happened. I had no idea who Tupac was when he was alive. Yeah. But... You know, in high school, I learned about who Tupac was. And then later, I learned about the significance of the Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. feud. And, you know, both of their music has really kind of stood the test of time. But another thing that's interesting is that I I do think both of their music in some ways was boosted by the media attention of both of their deaths. And the tragedy of, like, a young, promising life cut short idea. Yeah. Not not taking anything away from either of their music. Both of them have great music. I have, but I, I definitely have think no idea about all this feud. But I think it brought them to light in a different way they wouldn't have been. I mean, I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. I feel like, but that's it's also terrible to say. But like when people pass yeah. away, they almost become more famous than when they were alive. It's like I don't know if it's the guilt complex or if it's the fascination complex. Another thing that I want to learn more about in the documentary, and I definitely want to revisit, this has been a case that's been full of conspiracy. And people have generally guessed that (laughs) B.I.G. and P. Diddy were involved somehow, and that kind of group was involved somehow because of the feud, and that the reverse was true of B.I.G.'s death, right? But that's been the only thing that people have really been able to agree about. There has been so many conspiracies 
and that's part of what kept this has kept this case alive and kept them digging into this case mm-hmm. which is wild the whole it thing is, is just wild you did a great job with that i can tell you have so much fascination with tupac I, mean, I do. We all I mean, do. It's kind of interesting. Like, I get it. It's crazy, though. Like, all of it. That 30 years, almost 30 years later, that's insane. It really is insane. And it just fascinates me. The justice system fascinates me. Another song, just because we're talking about Tupac, I won't lie to you. After the indictment, I listened to a lot of Tupac. And I love, you know, the song Keep Your Head Up. Like, I think it's really amazing to look back and see somebody in Tupac's position involved, you know, in a gang and a culture where it it was cool to, you know, not I'm trying to find a good way to say this, like to not be super respectful of women or praise women or all of this. And he was writing songs about like, you know what, if your man doesn't love you, you should leave him. If he says you're not good for anything, don't believe him. And I just, like, I kind of love that. He talks about the respect he has for his mom. He talks about how, you know, if we don't start respecting women, we're going to have a, a race of babies who hate the ladies and men can't make them. And it just, I, I love that song, but, and it goes into other themes as well. But I think it's really cool because he kind of wasn't afraid to talk about stuff that it wasn't cool to talk about. Yeah. Man, if so, more men like did that now in the rap game, can you even imagine? Yeah, seriously, that's a really good point. It. They could learn something from that. I mean, there's and a I reason just, he's one of the most famous rappers of all time, and I don't think it just goes back to him passing away. I think no. that like the way he believed, the things he believed in, obviously resonate and relate to a lot of people. So he's saying about something more than just getting drunk and hooking up. Like, it was deeper things. And I think that if he would have continued to live, he was young. I think he would have just evolved. And with age, even he could have probably made even a bigger difference. That's what's so sad. Yes. Yeah. He was very focused on trying to create social change. Um, The other thing, so I just have to throw out one conspiracy theory because it's so wild. And (laughs) it blows my mind. Is so obviously there was the conspiracy theory for a long time that Tupac was actually alive and they'd staged yes. his death, which is wild because y'all Tupac was shot four times. He was taken to the hospital. They removed his lung to try to save him. I mean, this would be a really uh, elaborate staging, especially in 1996. But you know, that was like one of the prevalent conspiracy theories. Another one was that Suge Knight who I will point out is the man who is saying he knows that Davis is the wrong guy and that baby lane wasn't the one to shoot. And he was the one driving the car when Tupac was in the passenger seat. There's a whole conspiracy theory that Suge Knight wanted Tupac to die. And listen, I don't know all the details of this. Yeah. At all. But that has been me. Yeah, that's been one of the conspiracy theories over the year. And it's one of the quotes. So one of the crazy tabloids did an interview with Suge Knight in prison after all this happened. And one of the things he said was like, listen, Tupac can't tell the story and I sure ain't going to tell it. 
and it was like i don't know why that struck me really weird but anyways we will watch the documentary if you all want to watch the documentary tell us what you think we're going to come back and revisit this but we have some other really interesting topics we're going to dive back into i have some interesting theories that i've been telling alexis that i've been reading about in the brian koberger case which we're just always going to come back to because it's close to our hearts i think it's affecting so much right now it's you know close close to me in location and i think so many people are so invested because of how relatable the four victims are so we'll come back to that there's just not a lot to update now but that's i don't know i vote we wrap up the tupac and we'll revisit this after we watch the documentary but i i hope you all like this because i just you did great i i really loved learning about it yeah i have some interesting history facts for people that you probably know throw it out i love it okay before we leave so i was browsing instagram the other day or tiktok and marie antoinette when she was going down to be beheaded her dog would not leave her side and it cried for days so eventually they end up killing the dog as well why that's interesting is because my husband said that dogs are the most loyal animal so if something happened to their owner like they died in the house with the owner that they would never do anything. They would rather die than eat the owner or do anything like that. Cats, though, this is pretty random. Cats will eat you after one day. Well, Cats. That's just awful. And I, I don't know. Like we don't need to that. end on that. We don't need to end on it. But basically, what I'm saying is dogs are still man's best friend. Sorry, Marcus. Well, I would like to throw out there first of all, yes, my dog would be. Super emotionally traumatized if anything happened to me. No joke. But That's why I literally thought it was Mac. <laughs> this is, he would be. He is so funny. He loves his mom so much. He was, Marcus was going to have him do boy things with him, like watch football the other day. And this dog just came and found me and was like, okay, I'm done doing boy things after five minutes, mom. I love my mommy. <laughs> Marcus does realize he's a dog, right? I mean, yes, but the dog is sitting on the couch, which is one of the dog's favorite activities. So I know, but we're going to do boy things, watch football. Yeah. <laughs> Have you Listen, met Max? He likes to be blown dry with a Dyson. He is blow- He gets blow dried with his Dyson. He's a very bougie baby. Um, oh he gosh. also has doggy detangler. He just, he's, he's my precious pumpkin. But, um, okay, I have to throw out there, too, some really interesting other stories about dogs when their mistress is passed away i have twenty thousand of these stories because i love these stories but that's why i wanted to end on it there are a couple that are interesting and one of them is they believe that when mary queen of scots was beheaded in 1587 she had a black and white king charles spaniel same breed as my little mac hidden under her skirt when he she was killed and the dog wouldn't leave her side and stayed in her skirt. And it just, the, the loyalty is just really incredible. Oh. Yeah. It just, the dog and the dog howled and howled and howled and wouldn't leave its mistress. And it's so sad, but I just, dogs, I don't know. Man. I love the dedication. I think dogs, dogs look at people as like their mission in life dogs i mean some dogs maybe not it all dogs literally but says that dogs i read a quote the other day it said that dogs to them you're their whole world like 
Yes. That is the sweetest thing. And they, they tried to save Mary, Queen of Scots, little dog, I guess. They removed it. They fed it. They washed it. It refused to ever eat again and passed away. And they said it died of a broken heart, which is just, oh, so sad. So all of you listening, go pet your, pet your puppy. Love your yeah. puppy. And remember, that is so true. The dogs, you are their entire world. Like, yes, they're part of our world. They're an important part of our world. But when we leave for work... They wait for us to come home. Why did I get so off topic with dogs? I just had that pen and I was like, I need to tell them this story because I thought it was crazy. And my husband gave me that random fact. And I'm like, that's terrifying. It's because we love dogs. And I will tell you that I have a cat, you guys. So don't come for me. His name is Mike. Mike's pretty chill, but I definitely think he'd eat me. Mike is a good cat, but I think cats are just a little more survival focused. And I am going to throw this out there. I know Pippa would pine for you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where we're at with Winston. (laughs) Winston would be like, come on, girl, let's just do it. Pippa would be like, touch my owner, I will bite you. Yeah. Pippa girl, last night when Steel jumped out of the crib, Pippa growled at the door and I went and opened it and Steel came in crying. And I Pippa could tell I was tired, so she just put her head on the side of the bed and just gave me a kiss on the arm, and then she kept her head there almost all night, you guys, just to check on me. She's an angel. Pippa, she is. Winston went to bed. (laughs) Yeah, he's Winston. That's what he does. Oh, man. Okay, I have to tell you one other funny Harry Potter thing, because we always have to end on fun notes, but have you seen the reels where guys play the Harry Potter theme? And wait for their girlfriend to hear it and film her reaction. No. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently this is a thing. So the other night, Marcus put on the beginning of a Harry Potter movie. And I ran into the room and it's like, why are you watching Harry Potter without me? (laughs) (laughs) We're watching rewatching Potter right now, actually. And if that isn't the best explanation of who I am, I don't know what is. (laughs) She's a Hufflepuff through and through. I am a full send Hufflepuff. Absolutely. And yeah, it's October. So it's Harry Potter marathon time. And I am so excited. Yes. And Gilmore Girls. Oh, absolutely. I even started Grey's Anatomy over again. Crazy. And you know what I found in my notes the other day? Was the video that Jim Pickens, a.k.a. Dr. Weber, sent Sage and I for our wedding. Congratulating us. Saying he wishes he could have been at the wedding. That's so sweet. He's so nice. I I know we've told you all this story, but he sat by us at the NFR because he's, you know, family friends with Alexis's family, but I had never seen Grey's Anatomy. So I was like, what a nice man. I love him. You guys. And Alexis was like, you need to watch Grey's Anatomy. So yeah, I now can fangirl over him, but he is the most just down to earth, cool guy. I really. Awesome. He helps I really so many, like, speaking of inner city, like, he does so many inner city, like, programs to help children. He's just an incredible human. So, look up the Jim Pickens Foundation if you're interested. And on that I note, love that. I love you. Have a good week. I'm sure we'll talk. Everybody, <laughs> have a great week. I was going to say, yes, I love you, Alexis, but I'll talk to you probably in a half an hour. So, yeah. love to all the rest of you who are not going to talk ladies. to you until next week. Bye, gentlemen. <laughs> Next week, we're going to cover the case of Natalie Holloway, who also had a crazy breakthrough. So stay tuned for that. 
stay tuned if you want to get a little background. But Alexis is doing the background, and she has already put in so much research. So I am so excited. Too much. It's the journalist. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you rate and review, we will love you even more. 